Guys, I, uh, these lights, I should have brought a hat, but <laughs> can I just start out by saying I love you guys? I look around this room and I just see small group after small group after small group after small group, and that's what this is all about. I'm so honored to be here to speak to you guys today. Um, I want to start with prayer and then we'll, we'll jump into this. Father God, we love you, sir, and we are so grateful for what you've done in our lives, what you're doing in our lives each and every day. I know apart from you, I can do nothing. I ask for your presence today, Lord, that you'll speak to each and every heart in here today, including mine, especially mine, Lord. And I just cannot thank you enough for this opportunity and what you've done in my life. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start out real quick. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a season of blessing, but uh, my goodness, I've been in one of those, and I, I don't know why. You know, I'm just like, wow. Uh, sometimes God just does it. I'm going to read you this. Uh, this is a guy from my small group in Wagner, and uh, I'm just going to read this. He sent it to me this morning uh, as I'm on my way here. He said, the Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's from Zephaniah 3.17. He said, God will bless you in a special way today, Brother John. So, isn't that cool? I've just been in a season like that, i got to tell you, where people have been, I'll just get a text or a call or something, they'll say, hey, I'm praying for you, man. You doing good? And, I mean, it's just, it touches your heart when that happens. You know that's from God, man. I mean, God does that. And I'm so blessed. Uh, i got to start out by giving honor to God because Lord only knows what he went through to get me here. <laughs> so you're about to find out some of that. Um, as you can see, I'm one of the dinosaurs, like Pastor George. We, we come up here with paper rather than technology. It's because we can't figure out technology. So, but we got biblical wisdom, thank God. Uh, no, truly, uh, I want to honor God. Uh, I have to honor my wife, Gina, who's been a faithful wife of mine for, uh, we're working on her 32nd year. We've been married 31 years, and she has supported me on, along that journey. We've grown together, and we've been through some tough times, but you know what they say about that, you know, behind every good man is a, is a good woman. But I have to also say behind every good man is a lot of good men. And uh, over your lifetime, there's men that sow into your life. So thankful for that. On that subject, one of those is, is here this morning, Tom Winslow. Uh, you don't mind standing up for me, please? This is my stepfather who's been my father for almost 40 years now. And he has lived an incredible example for me. And I just cannot honor him enough. And... Uh, he bit off quite a bit whenever he came into our family. That white hair he has, I'm pretty sure I did half of it. <laughs> I have to give honor to all my pastors and the many men that have sown in my life, to my small group who's spread out here on about three or four tables, but uh, so grateful for you guys. They, they sharpen me every time we get together. Same thing with these breakfasts. Every time I come here, I get sharpened, and uh, so grateful for that. Johnny, you and your team have uh, discovered the secret, the mystery. You know, the Bible says there's mysteries in there. He fed them. That's how you get these guys here. You feed them. So 
I learned that several years ago, and uh, it works. Only we do it in a donut shop. So, <laughs> so thank you guys very much. Uh, one disclaimer, my wife's not here, so given that fact, uh, if just disregard any dates or times or special details, because I'm pretty sure I got them wrong. So, so I want to, uh, you know, I know Mark asked me to tell my story, and I'm pretty sure he meant my real Jesus story, but uh, if I don't give you my background and, and who I was, then God's not going to get enough glory about what he's done with me, Okay. So it's a little embarrassing. I'm ashamed of my past, but uh, man, I'd rather just share that with you so God can get glorified today here. So I'm going to do that. And I want you, as I do this, I'm gonna, I want you to speak or uh, be thinking about culture as I go through my story because, you know, um, culture is a big deal. And, and whether you know it or not, we as men, we bring or continue or create culture to every environment we're in, whether that's our family, whether that's our businesses, our neighborhoods, our churches, and so on. Uh, men do that. And um, just like my stepfather has created a, a, a culture that I'll tell you more about as I get into this. Um, <clears throat> scripture says most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? One of my friends uh, used to say, and, and he was not really a, a strong Christian, but I think he was a believer, but we didn't act like it in those days. We were pretty much heathens. We fished together. We drank together. We cussed together. All those things that uh, bad guys do. But here was his saying. You got to be bad to be good. And he would say that a lot. And uh, I found that to kind of be true in a way because... You kind of have to realize and get real of who you were, how bad you were before you know how God, how good God is, because he's amazing, and for him to love somebody as bad as I was is absolutely amazing, but you have to kind of come to that place in your life, so I'm going to start telling you a little bit of my, my background, and as you think about cultures, you know, there's a, there's a technical um, definition, which I don't care much for. It says the customs, arts, social institutions, achievements of a nation, people, or other social group. Today, let's bring it down simple. It's how we live and what we do with those we love. That's what culture, real culture is, because the Bible tells you, you know, that uh, nations really began with families, and that's how they were birthed. So, so my childhood was a little weird. Uh, although I had no clue it was weird. I thought it was perfectly normal. And uh, so my dad, and uh, he, he really had uh, problems with relationships. He and my mom were married. Uh, I'm a real OU guy. I was born in Norman. Um, but uh, we moved to California pretty quickly to uh, live on an oil lease. And uh, my brother was, ten, was born right behind me, about 10 months behind and then while we were out there, we had a little sister born. But that sister, Ulikim, died after about three days. I believe, as looking back, I didn't know then, but I believe that kind of is where my, my parents' marriage fell apart because I think they dealt with it in their own ways. I think my dad probably just turned to more drinking. And uh, he did become an alcoholic and eventually got him. But he struggled uh, throughout my childhood with relationships, and uh, 
think he was married uh, six times or six times to five different ladies all together. So uh, you can imagine as you do that, you go through different cultures. You know, one of those was lasted maybe from uh, we left our grandparents' house. We stayed with them about two years. Then we left there and went to live with my dad because he was first to get married, basically. So had a new new family there. Had got two new brothers and a, and a stepsister, and uh, that lasted till about uh, almost a junior high, no, through grade school anyway. And then my dad got uh, divorced, married another lady for a little while, and then another, 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 and so on. So anyway, each time there was a different culture, different food that you would eat at night, different times you'd eat, blah, blah, blah. And in between, we were bachelors. And you can imagine what that's like. It's kind of fun when you're a kid. I mean, it's like, hey, got a loose chain here. So I used to uh, tell on myself somewhat. I did some pretty conniving things. I mean, you know, if your dad's out clubbing, then you, you know, you got some free time. So we, uh, one of the things I would do, he had a 64 Chevrolet pickup. Well, I would unhook the speedometer cable, make sure I checked the gas, exactly how the truck was parked, because there's a key there, see, for emergencies. And, you know, everything's an emergency. So, anyway, I took it for a cruise, of course, and then put it right back where it was. I'm quite sure he knew. You know, he probably, you know, he used to tell me, you can't pull anything on me. I've done it all. But that, that was kind of an issue with my dad. I, and I, I love him, and don't get me wrong, I want to honor him, too, because he did the best with me that he knew how. He didn't know God, he didn't know love, and he didn't know how to, to love me or my brother. And so life was just a little different. We didn't know it was weird, though. We didn't know anything was wrong with it. I know that he loved me. It just wasn't the kind of love that God loves you with. And so <clears throat> he died an early death. But uh, So a, a couple of things have happened in, uh, along the way. Uh, Kind of, I didn't do real good with that loose chain thing, like I said, so my brother did. He did pretty good because he was a good athlete. You know, he became a state football champ, uh, wrestling champ. He was just good at ath athletics, and so needless to say, that keeps you busy, keeps you out of trouble, right? Well, if, you, if you're like me and you don't do that, you kind of hang out on the streets. You learn your talents on the pool table in the pool hall and things like that, you know. So that's kind of what I did. Uh, however, I kind of started working early, and, and I seemed to kind of excel in work. I liked work. And I think I give credit to my original dad for that because he gave me a lot of chores. And being the oldest, you did a lot of chores, you know. When we were batching, I did the ironing. I shined his boots, you know, meals, things like that. So I learned a lot from that, and I, I appreciate that because work ethic's a good thing. God, God started with some workers, you know that? He grabbed some disciples, and they're workers, and uh, there's a reason for that, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, my mom was the same way. She's, she was a hard worker. She would work herself until she was just exhausted, and then she'd have to crash. Uh, tragic time when I was, uh, it's a little difficult, but when I was a junior, um, you know, we had begun that lifestyle of drinking and kind of carrying on and so forth, and we were driving and stuff. Well, my brother had just started. Okay, thank you. My brother had just started getting a little dry. Thank you very much. 
had just started driving not too long before that. He was out on a date, and I was, and some some reason I went to go meet him. I knew where he was going to take his friend home at night, and I went to that intersection. I pulled off to the side and uh, waited for him, and sure enough, they came by, and he, he took his friend home. When they came back, and he and his girlfriend were talking to me at that intersection, and um, his friend came flying over the hill. I don't know how fast, really fast. And he slammed in the back of my brother's car, and it exploded in flames. And uh, his girlfriend was spared, but Phil was uh, trapped by the steering wheel. And uh, we learned later that his, his neck was broke anyway. But anyway, it was a horrific scene, a horrific thing for me to see. I felt responsible for it. I uh, still do sometimes. Um, you know, the old saying, if you hadn't been there, if you hadn't have done that. And uh, so that's something that really shook me. However, I didn't, I didn't get help. I clammed up. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. And uh, my, uh, the way I was raised with my dad is suck it up, man. You know, get up. Let's go. And that's what I tried to do. So uh, sometimes the pride of life can really get in your way. I continued to make bad choices. I had I wrecked some more vehicles and stuff like that in my teenage years. And uh, maybe after the second one of those, I... Uh, my mom and, and stepfather, Tom, I think, tried to intervene and said, hey, why don't you move to Tulsa? Or maybe it was, you need to, you know, kind of deal. I don't know. I had already been living at that time on my own for probably a year and a half. We rented a house for my dad while I was in high school, and, and you can imagine what went on there. Um, but guys I worked with, we, we were just partying, carrying on, you know, just bad things. Well, so I came here. Tom helped me get into the construction industry here, which I loved. I started that there in, uh, in Edmond. Uh, one of the things I did during high school, I, Pastor George and I have in common, is hauled hay. I absolutely loved it, though. He hates it, in case you didn't remember. <laughs> I loved it. Anyway, uh, it's probably because I was so skinny, I wanted to get stronger, and that made me stronger. So... Anyway, I got into the construction deal, and Tom helped me with that, and I framed for several years uh, in Tulsa for a few years for a guy named Jack Myers. Then I, I, I worked for Frank Neely, learned how to lay rock. Um, then in 1975, I started my business in framing homes. Um, but in that, uh, that same year, I believe it was, I was not married. I was um, shacking up kind of with a girl that lived in my apartments a little bit, and... Uh, so me and three guys decide we're going to take a, a trip to Austin, Texas to see a concert. I think it's Jimmy Buffett or somebody. And uh, so we head down there. And we had other intentions, too, by the way. We thought we might get lucky and find some pot. You guys may not know what that is. That's marijuana. <laughs> so. <laughs> Showing my age again. So anyway... Uh, we head off down there, you know, and uh, we had a good time, concert and everything. Uh, didn't find much pot, we had a little bit, you know, but we didn't find anything great. So we're on our way back, and we had stopped in Dallas and partied with some girls, and we're driving back up Highway 75 on a, uh, near Atoka, and I had pulled over just before we got there because I drove out of Dallas, and I was pretty tired, so... And we weren't really wasted or anything, you know. I mean, we were all seemed okay. We were just a little tired. And I pulled over, and the oldest guy, John, got in and started driving. And I got in the front seat, passenger seat, and conked out. 
Next thing I know, I wake up with pain and lots of noise, lights. What is going on here? I heard this loud sound. Well, I could also hear somebody behind me breathing real heavy. And and I thought, oh, my gosh, we've been in an accident. So what uh, transpired there is they they cut the other guys out, all three of them. And um, I guess they didn't see me. I was curled up underneath the dash in the passenger's deal. And so I kind of just came to and realized, man, hey, they don't know I'm in here because it got real quiet. And so I stuck my hand up through this little light I could see and and kind of started yelling, I think. Anyway, he either heard me or saw my hand, the highway patrol guy, and they had actually put a cable on that what was left of that car and was about to winch it on the truck. And he said, hey, man, there's somebody in there. So they came back and cut me out, thank God. Uh, that was a tough time for me because those guys, I was pretty close to them, and um, nobody survived but me. And I wasn't supposed to, but I did. And uh, God has a plan, you know, and I don't know why. You know, I asked that many, many, many times. You know, why me? Why was I spared? You know, same thing with my brother. Why me, why me and not my brother? Because he was a good guy. One of those guys, Billy, in that wreck is a, is a good guy. He was a great guy. And I believe he's with God today because he he grew up in church. He was a big, heavyset guy. And bullied as a child and he had just come into his own uh, working out we worked out a little bit at the apartments and swam and he was losing weight he was building muscle and starting to go out on dates man he was on cloud nine he just and and he was just so happy and just a good guy i went to his funeral and i did not like what i heard i mean they just basically said he's going to hell you know and uh, i kind of had to get up and leave and uh, really really hurt me because they didn't know him um, anyway, after that, I, I figured it must be time to slow down. You know, I mean, I'm pretty dumb, but maybe not that dumb. I thought, oh, come on, man, you got to change something. Something's got to give. So what I did, I figured, well, maybe I should marry this gal I've been shacking up with a little bit, you know, and, and just slow down. And seriously, that was my, my, that was my train of thought. That's what I did. And, uh, you know, what I'd seen is, you know, if it don't work out, hey, you can get you another one. You know, that's what my dad did. So, seriously, I went in that with a kind of a bad attitude. And um, I had seen a good example in my stepfather here, Tom, and my my mom, uh, because I saw him love her when she really wasn't lovable. You know what I mean? We, If we're honest, we've all been there, hard to love. Um, and... Um, but you know what? He stayed the course, and he loved her when she was really difficult. But I really see, when I came there, I was a rebellious, as I said, a rebellious teenager who thought I was a man. Seriously. <laughs> Just because I had my own place, my own car, job. I worked as hard and as long as anybody did at that age. I worked way over full time while going to school. But I slept during the first hour of school. You know, I was that guy who came into the vice principal's office and just took my wallet out and bent over every day. That's better than staying after school. And that's what I did. So anyway, I'm not proud of that, but that's the kind of guy I was when when Tom started, you know, into this family. And uh, but he lived that kind of life. He he instilled in something that that I saw that 
I'd never really seen, and that is giving. You know, that, it was a culture of giving that he established in our family. And uh, I hadn't experienced that, so that was an incredible deal. But about uh, a few years into my marriage, um, maybe three years into my marriage, we had our second child. First child, Jonna, was the oldest, and our second child was named Jamie. And uh, my wife and I didn't really get along that well. We uh, sort of lived our separate lives, if you will. We yelled at each other a lot. I drank a little bit after work. Not a ton at that time, but a little bit. Uh, hung out with the guys, played horseshoes. And she played cards and did her thing when I'd take care of the kids. Well, I went to go pick up Jamie, our second daughter. She's nine months old. I went to go pick her up at the babysitter's. And the babysitter just said, yeah, come on in. And uh, she's back there in the bedroom sleeping. Going back and get her. So I go back to get her. Well, she wasn't sleeping. She was blue. And she had actually already died they pronounced her dead at the hospital but again when you don't know God you kind of run from God because you don't know where to go for help and so you run to the bottle you run I didn't ever get on the bottle but I run to beer you know I drank beer and and work I was a workaholic you know, I I would dive into that work and, and uh, try to forget, suck it up, move on. So our marriage got worse. It was not built on the rock. Neither one of us knew God. It just got worse. But we continued to stay together. We stayed together for nine years. We had twins after that, which one of them goes to here at church. Pastor Ian knows Jesse probably. She goes to your, your church, your campus. And, you know, that same giving spirit is in Jesse now. And uh, I'm so proud of her. Um, and it's my grandkids are just getting there. They're still pretty selfish. They really are. I'm working on that. So uh, anyway, they go here. Um, very, very proud of her. And uh, I wish my other girls were engaged and in church. They're not. I do have one that's starting to follow uh, Stephen Furtick. Uh, another one's living a gay lifestyle in California. She was actually one of, or she was the second one to actually get saved, but yet she's living that lifestyle, you know, and, uh, and you know, but uh, as a dad, you have to tell them the truth. You have to tell them, you know, I don't condone that at all, and I cannot support it. I can't because it goes against God's word, but it will never, ever change how much I love her, and I told her that, and that's the way God is with us. You know, my sins are every bit as bad as anyone in here, times two. And uh, honestly, if I tried to go to, through the Ten Commandments, I wouldn't make it anywhere. Bam, 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 bam. Yep, me, me, me. I did all of it. And that me, me attitude is what I had. Everything was about me. It wasn't about others. It wasn't about family. So eventually, I cheated on my wife. I was fixed up with uh, one of my friend's sisters. And, and so I left her. And uh, I walked away from my family after nine years. I mean, just cold-bloodedly did that. And thinking, I had convinced myself that it probably going to be better for my kids. It wasn't. You know, I thought of all the yelling they had to hear, and I thought, you know, this has got to stop. The yelling didn't stop. Instead of her yelling at me, she was yelling at my kids. And she was bitter, and she yelled at them 
for years after that. Uh, she's still bitter. The worst divorce ever. It's never been civil. She won't talk to me. I've written letters. I've tried. It's, it's just been awful. So it's horrible on my kids. I know why God hates divorce. I, I lived it. I know. He absolutely hates it. Probably every bit as much or more than homosexuality. For real. I mean, he absolutely hates it because God hates sin because what it does to his kids. Man, and people have the wrong idea about that. You got to say, they really do. Um, see how I'm doing on time. I, um, <clears throat> I got to tell you about the beginning of my journey. Um, you know, I met Gina, which was a big, big plus for me. And, and uh, I met her maybe three years after I got divorced. Uh, and I think she corrected me last night. It wasn't a year later. It was about nine months later to the day that we got married. So um, we had a rough start. I almost died of Legionella pneumonia in that first time. Uh, that might have even been before we were married. But anyway, um, we've been through a lot of stuff together. But we moved to Virginia because uh, a terrible ice storm here in Tulsa, and I, I couldn't get enough money from uh, the guys I was working for, the builders and stuff, couldn't pay me. And uh, I ran out of money when it came time to pay my guys. I paid them, but I had nothing left. And... Uh, we had gone out and cut trees out of yards, and Gina and I both to to make it. Well, I get a call from Virginia and said, could you come up here and bid a project? It's right down your alley. I said, okay. So off I go. Again, you know, I'm in Virginia. My family's here. But I went out there to do a project, and God had a plan. Uh, I'm going to try to make this quick. But So I'm sitting there one day. We'd been out there a while, and uh, and I'm sitting there on a Sunday, which is about the only time I didn't work. I did work a lot of Sundays, to be honest with you. So I'm sitting there kind of channel surfing, and I run across this dude, um, Dr. Price, on Ever-Increasing Faith Ministries. And Dr. Price, if you don't know him, the guy teaches just like Pastor George, except he's a black dude, you know, and he's got that heritage. But uh, anyway, I really have a lot of respect for that man. But I, that day, I honestly heard the gospel in a black and white form it was no longer gray to me and it really stood out it was very plain and and I thought man what am I doing here I should be home with my kids I need this and he said you need to get in a church well guess what I was building a sanctuary and a steeple for a little country Methodist church in Virginia at that time you can't make that up That's, seriously so the guy, of course, invited me to go to church. I go to the little Methodist church. I get sprinkled. I get saved. And uh, that's the beginning of my journey. You know, one of my scriptures I like is in uh, John chapter 1. Uh, it says, But as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. That's what happened that day. That's when my journey began. But the words, the right to become, tells you that it is a journey. It's, it's, it's a process, as we say sometimes. It's, it's not automatically, bam, done, you know. I kind of thought that, but I found out I was wrong. That's not right. So I rocked along for several more years. Um, we came back. Tom and Mom uh, helped us to get back to Tulsa 
to start John James Construction. By the way, John is my name, and James is his middle name. That's, how, that's where that name comes from. I have to answer that a lot. Some people still call me Mr. James, and that's okay. I'll answer to it. So, uh, but I'm good with that. I like the way that sounds better than I do my name. John Robertson Construction does not sound good. I'm sorry. So, anyway, that, that was the beginning of our, our construction business, which we, we design and build custom homes, and they helped me get started. I knew enough about God there to sit down and pray about the first two homes I built. And I said, God, you're the creator of the universe. I need your creativity. And we built a couple of high-end high specs down in South Tulsa, a place called Lexington. And um, I didn't know what was going on at the time, but God blessed us. We sold the first one while we were, I was actually trimming it to save some money. Um, and they were, my mom and Tom were the realtors. <clears throat> so the next house I built, and I gave names to them, by the way, too. That's how, I don't know if that's arrogant or what, but I did give names. I really believe in authentic architecture. I don't like eclectic. Forgive me, decorators. So anyway, I, God helped me design those homes. And, what, and the second one, we sat on that thing for five months. And you talk about sucking air. There's no money left. And I thought, what is going on? I did not know, but God sold about five custom homes off of that home. People would come in, and they would contact me years later and say, hey, you remember that house you did out there? Would you build me a custom home out on my acreage? And... So God gave me some wisdom, or Tom gave me some wisdom. God probably gave it to him to give to me. But he said, you really ought to do custom homes. You cost plus custom homes because that's, I was putting too much quality in them, quite frankly, to be a spec home. That's the bottom line. I wasn't leaving anything, no, no fat, nothing to make. So anyway, we did pretty good with that. Um, fast forward, a few years later, I'm building a custom home for a man in um, South Tulsa. Great man, uh, Costa. I saw Costa back. Costa knows him. We were in a group together. I, I came to that group from an event that they put on. It's an out there evangelistic group, and they focus on win, build, sin. And uh, so they invited Norm Miller. You know who he is. He's a NASCAR guy, uh, interstate battery guy. Um, anyway, Norm Miller came and spoke and gave his testimony, and Paul asked me if I would go to hear this testimony at a country club. I am not a country club kind of guy. I don't swing golf clubs. I've never played golf. I, but I'm a NASCAR guy. So I took, I took the bait, you know. This time the bait was NASCAR, not the dinner, because I don't go to dinner to a country club, man, or lunch, but I did. He shared a testimony that was very similar to mine. He, his, he struggled in relationships. He did. He struggled with alcohol a little bit and divorce and that kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, he shared his testimony, and, and he shared how he had prayed a prayer. He heard another guy say, tell the story about how you, you make Jesus Lord of your life. Well, I sat there and I thought, you know, I got saved, and I made that confession before that little church but, and the congregation, but I didn't make Jesus Lord of my life. I was still Lord of my life. First commandment, don't have any other gods before me. I was being God. I was calling the shots in my life. I was driving the truck. I needed to move over and let him drive. And so that's, that's what happened that day. I prayed that prayer, and I asked Jesus to come into my life 
come into my heart and make me the man he made me to be. And I got to tell you, everything changed. Now I get to talk about not what I did, but what Jesus did, okay? This is what I've been waiting to get to. Okay, so he, he hooks me up with this group, small group, basically, and Costa was there, uh, and we would, anyway, I stayed with him for 15 years, and um, so I got sharpened, and we planned events, and we, I gave my testimony, people came to Christ, blah, 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 and that's the kind of group it was, a great group of men, and they just sowed a lot into my life, and I'm thankful for each and every one of them. If I named all the names, you would recognize a lot of them, because they're it was called Tulsa Executive Ministries at the time, and there were some good executives in there, really good ones, top-notch people. Jim Norton, for one. So these guys shared a lot of wisdom with me, prayed for me, and uh, it really helped me to grow. Um, meanwhile, we, uh, we were going to a church by this time in Wagner, and um, something happened there that was really impactful in my life that leads to what all's going on in our group now. It was a thing called Youth Force, and the Methodist Church does this deal, and they, they bring in a bunch of teenagers from out of state. I'm sorry, I'm not good with these mics. Anyway, they bring them from out of states to do projects for people who have needs on their homes and stuff. And, uh, you know, it touched my heart because I'm a construction guy, so I'm the obvious guy. You know, you get with the associate pastor and you go find the jobs and projects in Wagner that we can do with these kids okay I can't tell you what I saw behind those doors if I you know it would either make you sick to your stomach or rip your heart out of your chest or both and I'm I'm being easy on this because you don't know what's behind some of the doors of the car the homes that you drive by every day and it broke my heart. You know, as weird as my cultures that I experienced were, I saw the oppressive works of the enemy like I'd never saw it before. And uh, I mean, it was unreal. So obviously some of those things you can do with kids, some you cannot. I could not take those kids into some of the things I said. I got a hold of a man in our church. Uh, Tom is good friends with him. He's passed now. But I said, Dick, I said, you have got to find a way to get that family out of that home. And he did. I don't know how he did it. Truth be known, that guy right there probably paid for most of it. But it happened. They got him out of there. Well, I did that twice. And after doing that two different years, um, the Lord put on my heart to start a group in Wagner. There was a lot of chaos in the community. The churches didn't like each other. They never came together to do anything. And the Lord said, I want you to start a group, and I want you to call it Wagner Men in Unity, based on Ephesians 4. It's going to be no particular denomination. All churches are welcome. That was in 2004. It still exists today. Tom and I go there every Thursday morning at 6.30 in the morning, by the way. And, uh, but it's kind of like the city gates in that community. God has used it to bring different denominations and churches together, wound up starting a community prayer thing that they do monthly to pray for each other. How about that? <laughs> Praise God. I don't take credit for any of that. God, I said, God told me to do that, okay? 
He says, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? Bam. Um, so at some point during this journey, I got a call, a specific call from God. And I was driving home from work one day, and he, and he said, I want you to go see Diane. I knew who Diane was. She was a friend of mine, uh, the guy who was, one of us was vice president at United Methodist Men, the other one was president, and I don't remember which now. My wife would correct me if she was here. Uh, but anyway, it was his wife, and she had had a lot of health problems, and uh, I'd never been in the hospital to pray for somebody in my life. But God said, go see Diane. Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? I turned around, drove back to St. Francis. I knew where she was. Found out what room she was in. I go in there, and my pastor's in there. I'm like, oh, man, this is awkward. So... <laughs> If you knew him, you'd really understand this. Anyway, uh, I waited through those awkward, awkward moments, and then after he left, I visited with him, and, and, and I prayed with her. And I got to tell you, after that, that was, as Joe McGee would say, it was like rainwater out of heaven. Every time I turned around, somebody in my Sunday school class or at work was saying, would you go see so-and-so? They do not have a church family, and they need somebody to go pray One of them was a son, 13 years old, no, eight years old at the time, with brain cancer. Would you go pray with him? I actually called Costa on one of those. Remember sitting in the parking lot? Sitting in the parking lot praying for that guy, I saw in my mind, in my brain, I saw a vision of that tumor dissolving before I ever met the young man. I'm bragging on God, not me. But I went in there, got the courage, I went and prayed for him. But this went on and on and on and on. And it's never stopped for the last 16 years. When I came to church on the move, I said, God, what do you want me to do here? Went to one of those next move deals. It was different than it is today. It was about 11 years ago. And uh, he said, I want you to do hospital ministry. I said, all right, I'm in. So anyway, I started doing it, and I still do it. Um, I don't know why God would choose a man like me to pray for people, but that's his business. He made me. You know, God does great things with crummy men. You don't believe that, you haven't read your Bible. Bunch of jerks. Whiny, full of trouble, wimpy. (laughs) I'm telling you. And all I ever wanted to be in my life was just a regular guy. Seriously, that was my heart's desire, to be a regular guy. I didn't want to be a famous guy. I didn't want to be nothing like that. And this is, you know, the honor I've been getting for a couple of months now is just unbelievable. Maybe longer than that. I don't know. I'm in that season. I, man, I'm so grateful. But God did all that. You know, when we moved to church on the move, I've I got to tell you the story. Uh, we knew we were going to leave two years before we got here. And uh, my wife actually prayed. i got to hurry up. My wife actually prayed and said, God, find us a church where somebody prays or uh, teaches like uh, Dr. Price. We're sitting in congregation here one time after we came here. We waited for two years, by the way. God, don't go before God tells you. But if God tells you, it's time. We knew we were going, and, and we were waiting for release. And one day after my prayer time, God said to me, just 
plane. Today's the day I want you to tell your pastor. So we did. I went down front. You know, I'm on the prayer team. So I go meet the pastor. I say, hey, pull him aside. I say, hey, we're going to be leaving the church. He doesn't know what to think. And uh, so anyway, he announces it to the congregation that day. And uh, again, you can't make this up. We, uh, he calls us down front at the end service, lays hands on us to send us out. Uh, but prior to that, the United Methodist women had already planned to call us forward to give us a service award, my wife and I. <laughs> you can't make it up, I'm telling you. So if we're sitting there bawling and they're going, they're getting awfully emotional about a little service award. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they don't know what's going on. Afterwards, they called us down front, laid hands on us, and sent us out. Um, that's another part of my story on, uh, on this hospital ministry I want you to know about. It's, it's very important to be sent and not went. You know, a religious spirit will cause you to do things on your own. And uh, that's not what God really wants to do. He really wants you to be led by him and sent by him. You know, one time when I was really studying the word of God, I was going through the lineage, and I think I counted Enoch was like a seventh-generation dude. I'm thinking, that's a special guy. There ought to be a lot written about him. It says he, he walked with God. God took him. I said, Lord, how come you didn't say no more about Enoch? He said, John, what would you have me say about him? I'm like, duh. You're right. He walked with you. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, amazing how simple God is, you know, if you just ask him like a, like a kid. But coming to Church on the Move has been a huge blessing, I can't tell you. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, coming from a background like I did, it's very hard to sit under such a great example. He sets the bar really high. I look around here, some men of great integrity, but I'm pretty sure all of you hadn't always been that way. And... Uh, but being around men, and this is why I'm so passionate about men, you know, and I want to wrap up with this culture thing by saying, uh, you know, God gave me this vision to, and it's my vision uh, for my personal life and also my family and business. And uh, I got it partially, mainly from God, but also from the example that Tom lived, and it's to leave everyone I meet better than when we first met. Pretty simple. Kind of what Jesus did, right? So I think we could all learn from that. Um, in my business, it's the same thing, except whether or not we do business. I still want to leave them better than when we first met. Uh, but here's what's been on my heart is about this culture thing. We have this amazing culture in, at Church on the Move. The Bible calls it the way. We all have experienced it. We all love it. And we love gathering together in here. But my heart is to go to the streets with it. Our pastor says that we're not a monument, but a movement. And he's absolutely right. But why are we more excited to come back to the monument, hang out with our buddies, our brothers and sisters in Christ, than we are to leave the church empowered to take the way to the streets? That's what I want to see for all of us. And that's my passion. That's why I love. You know, that's one of the things our, 
our small group does. I'm so proud of you guys, all of you guys that, that work, and, and you guys, you mountain men do it too. But that's what we do is we take that culture to the streets and as we serve people. You know, Tom and I, we, this is something unique about our relationship. We've never played golf together. We've never fished together. We've never hunted together. You know what we do together every month? We serve together at an outreach deal. He's been involved with it for a long time, so have I, and, and we're so blessed by that. We give because God gave. I close with this one quick verse, and I'll shut up. Thank you guys so much for being here. I can't thank you enough. Scripture says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I left out one small part of this uh, I didn't share with you guys, and I found out more about love because God told me once again, write a book, John. The name of the book is A Father's Love. God did that to teach me about God's love for his children and what my love for my children should look like. And I'm not doing this to promote the book. I'm just telling you how he taught me and all that. And I learned so much because I believe the world, the streets where we're going out there, they misunderstand the love of God. They truly do. God gets blamed for what he didn't do. And he, he does not get what he deserves, but he loves anyway. He loves those of us who don't deserve it. But he gets the blame that he doesn't deserve. So thank you for being here. I love you guys.